When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Give me a second to go and find. So you're rolling 1d8 mm-hmm. and 2d12s. Perfect. There's a second d12. The, it's, the suspense is intentional, not just because I have forgotten what shape dice are. <laughs> it will. No, I know. <laughs> no, leave it. Leave I, it. I, I, I was, I was very smart. Do not put my D eight <laughs> back in the bag, like I was not using them. You can leave the Ooh. bits about it, but you can't leave okay. the She nods and she signs, I need you to ease my suffering. Oh. And then her eyes go wide and she goes, no, 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 no. Because I can, I. Perhaps. I am sure you could. What I mean, I encountered sight in the Serratura. Pieces of one were grafted to pieces of another. I was winds. Beautiful winds. When my wings were full, I soared, I sailed. I moved across all of sphere in that place shut away of the many things that were done. I was given sight of a watcher. I see things. I see acts and they give me pain. There is so much wickedness here. This place is the only safe place for me, for Laniel, for the people that we shelter here. I I lack now because of some carvings, the pieces that I need to be out of sight of the morning star. I can be nowhere but here, but I still see the wickedness of the other places. I can't not see it and i can do nothing about it uh do i was the one who picked up the the real fucked up feather at saratour yeah. right mm-hmm. uh, so the well the real fucked up feather is one that w- wasn't oh did you get another fucked up feather at the saratour we got one that like the eye was pulled out mm. and <gasps> it was grafted onto another it was being experimented oh yeah yeah yeah. On. yeah yeah i remember that yeah yeah you you got the experiment feather for sure okay. yes can I make a guess that it's Cerise's? It could be. Um, it could be part of a process okay. um, that was like done with Cerise's. There there were more angels than you, Cerise, Laniel, the others like okay. that passed through that place. Uh <laughs> Ooh, okay. Gable all of a sudden gets excited because this is something to do, right? Mm-hmm. This is, seems like an easy atonement because they've gotten in their mind that 
I have a, a couple other hundred years. I can spend that's an infinity to atone to the people yeah. I need to atone to. Eventually. Eventually, you're going to hit it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you get to go to bed. So Gable just gets excited. Like, yes, yes, yes. Of course. Oh, I can. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, could you show me? Uh, or, ugh, this is going to be awkward. Can you show me your wings right now and see? Can I see how it looks? Cerise, like, uh, stands up and, you know, takes off the outer layer they have that is this this cloak this hood and you can see underneath like they have a a fairly simple linen shirt their arms and whatnot are exposed and they are covered in scars like the gnarly scar that they have on their throat looks like it is extended to all over their body and then the air sparks up and you can see embedded in uh, the various iron rods around the island these thin tethers of connection all of this fallen's feathers have been carved away Golly. and have been embedded in bits of iron that are attached to these lightning rods. Oh. Oh, golly. I am unsure <laughs> of how to fix this one. Um, and with that, they move over. She moves over to uh, the, the rod that she embedded in the ground and like wiggles it back and forth and pulls it up and you can see now for the first time uh, this lightning glass. And I'd love to invite everybody to just Google lightning mm, glass. It's pretty cool. uh, Thank right, you. It's pretty cool to look at. We're all Googling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are these cool, wow. like veiny, almost coral looking structures um, that are made by lightning striking wet sand and creating enough energy and heat that it forms glass. This looks similar, except on the ends, especially like if you can see some of the like more extreme ends of lightning glass, there are the there on this, there will be these clear, almost marble like globes uh, that have the look of eyes i think at the end of it you know uh the tiger's eye rock it is that similar effect like glass that has uh so many cuts or if anybody has seen a bound fiber optic glass it's when you take fiber optic cable Mm -hmm. and like sort of cut it around the edges so like from the side it is opaque but it is transparent from the right Mm -hmm. angle because you're looking through all the fiber optic like it has little globes and nodules like that that look like angels' eyes. In my dreams, the sight comes to me. I see everything. But in waking, with, with enough divine power, she says, indicating <laughs> upwards towards the, the dark gathered clouds, I can trap them here in these Mm. and you can see like as you look in just crimes just acts of violence oh no screams and whatnot oh it's intrusive thoughts yeah (laughs) to to the max (laughs) uh gable is so weirdly excited this is so tangibly something they can do to help that is most of the time unclear or people don't actually need this kind of help that they're just so willing to go for it like as soon as they tell me the plan i'm like oh okay absolutely so we walking around doing little adjustments and trying to think of okay this is going to go here and this is going to go here and planning out like a pretty complicated spell which they typically don't do and all all the while at the end of it they're sort of blabbing about like (laughs) 
they haven't really gotten to explain what happened in the forest to anyone. Mm. So uh, all the while they're st- still kind of blabbing to a series like, but then uh, the, w- we knocked the sovereign, knocked, and we stabbed through it with a bird's beak. And then <laughs> we, we all went to sleep. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> not telling it in any sort of way, but also this is the plan to sort of tell a lot of angels like, Hey, guess who's back. Hope, hopefully you're on my side. Um, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Oh wow. Really? But soft launching it in a way like, Hey, by the way, uh, you're going to, you're probably going to get ring a ding pretty soon, but (laughs) all while working on this. Fascinating. Okay. Okay. Actually, I, I, I do, Liz, I, I, I want to know. So are, are you saying I fought the Morning Star who has ill intent for Yeah. Uh, Fuck it. Kind? Fuck it. Why not? Uh, I would love for you to make a role. Okay. Um, and my first instincts would to be would be to say this is either presence or intellect. Um, okay. You are trying to make an argument to this person presence and probably for presence. you i'm gonna say this is this is gonna be uh, uh, uh an average like normal role because uh this is somebody who used to be in your choir so you have this previous relationship together yeah i've got two diamonds in presence so i'm just gonna do that but i probably won't add to it because it's all very passive mm-hmm. uh that is a Three and a seven. All right. All right. You got two successes and another uh, bit of fate. You'll want to mark that down. Scroll that away as that will be important. More fate. There are two complications with this. Uh, Let's start with the successes. Very, like, I, I think Cerise gets caught up in everything and they are asking questions as 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 you are telling the story because like part of it is so unbelievable but like you are also bellwether you are their sibling angel who was called up to be the sovereign's justice and then turned justice against the sovereign uh like everything that you've done and lived is a little bit unbelievable mm-hmm. um but they did ask many questions about the Morning Star and were genuinely surprised to learn the Morning Star does not have like good intent for the world. And like after you say that and make that clear, their questions slow down. I think you are deeply pulled into the spell that you were setting up. There is a lot of excitement over this spell that you are constructing that we will get to in a moment. I think the complications are you don't notice that Cerise looks afraid and worried right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as you have made all of these things clear. But uh, yeah. your success means Cerise believes you and is bought into what you are saying. I imagine it's like when a little kid tells you a story and all of a sudden you realize like the actual meat of the story they're telling you is true. And that's, Mm -hmm. but they're just so excited about it. (laughs) Like I saw a car and it crashed. It went boom. And you're like, okay, but where? (laughs) Where did that happen? (laughs) Uh, And so, but also this is the first time Gable's, followed up on this wild hair that they've had so of course the pitch is not going to be that great that makes sense and Mm -hmm. so i think they're finally done with the preparations and they look up and see just how freaked out they've made cerise oh oh i'm so that was a lot that was way too much okay um i am so sorry it's true but but maybe uh, truth come truth doesn't need to be all at once it can be soft and sorry i am gonna ask liz the spell that you were setting up what is it meant to do 
I'm going to have Cerise stand in the middle mm-hmm. of the ring. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to try and do instead of a full lightning bolt situation, we're going to try and make a circle of static electricity that will mm-hmm. build up for a little bit. So it'll take a little while and then maybe it will culminate in one big strike, but that's uh, what what we're going to try and do right now. It's like, you know, in The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom where all of a sudden your metal <laughs> your metal <Yeah>. starts sparking. <laughs> I think this whole time. Like yeah. that a lot. I, I yeah, I think you you've pushed a range Cerise into like this area. We we get a bird's eye shot of it and there's just kind of a beautiful arrangement of uh these lightning rods that resembles uh a bit of divine script i want i think actually i I would like liz for you to roll the roll right now for constructing the spell for the whole spell yeah um and i just want to know i want to know like what will the spell accomplish what do you hope the spell will do what i hope happens is that the entirety of the circle beneath her instead of just mm-hmm. just surface level before the sand becomes uh just one glass circle mm-hmm. and with that big <laughs> release of energy is that it'll be like one huge globe that captures the entirety of whatever she's dealing with oh okay okay that's really cool i think the effort for that is going to be bedeviling okay um it is all low stakes bedeviling right now so that's just it's the three diamond shaped dice opposing you um you do i think you've picked up like a total of three fate uh throughout the the various other roles that we got uh so you might want to you know, spend into that uh, again. Uh, and you also can spend from your magic stat. It will be, you can spend two to add a new die, which will be a D six. Um, you can spend one to upgrade any existing dice that you have. Um, I'll spend a, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to use these fate po- points of fate for, I, I'll use two fate points to make it go. Perfect. So uh, I need you to roll. What what is your overall magic stat? How many? Four diamonds. Four. So I need you to roll two d twelve and two d eight. Two d twelve, two d eight. Lovely. And I'm gonna roll it. Yeah, roll well. (laughs) Oh no! No! It's two four two three. No. Well, well, we don't know yet. Um, so two. D8 to D8 for D12 to D12 three. It's bad. Hey, Liz. It's bad. Uh, you have perfectly evened out, which means we're drawing a little mm. Because you got, in that role, you got uh, three successes and uh, another point of fate. So scroll Ooh, that away. Um. I'm I'm still not sure about the fate economy of this system mm. yet, but um, I rolled three failures against you, mm. so uh, we're we're leaving it up to the mm. luminaries. And you know what? I'm gonna have Tyler be your vessel. Oh, here. Tyler. hello, Tyler! Pull the Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> it is the boat. <gasps> the boat. The boat. Freedom, opportunity, and labor, baby. Freedom. Um, that should be yeah. nice. Wait, are are there luminary cards on the boat on the way to another luminary mm-hmm. card? Yes. Uh, so, fun fact about Illimat and the luminaries: the art of the cards gives you an indication of what the game mechanic effect of the card does. Uh-huh. Um, it's I, I I think it is a cool thing about it. Um, I just need to pull up the luminary sheet. <laughs> The boat. Big sails. Indicator of cruise ships. Indicator of a sail at Marshalls. <laughs> the boat. Fortune awaits those who seek it, but only with blood and sweat. This is perfect. 
I think based on what you wanted out of that role and this luminary poll, um, as long as this spell is not at all disrupted, it is going to do exactly what you want it to mm-hmm. do. The issue is, of course, in the fear that, that you see on Cerise's face. Um, you've finished the spell, like you can feel the static. You can almost taste the static electricity in the air sparking up. Uh, and we can see the clouds overhead getting darker as the rain starts to fall a little bit harder. And Cerise gestures to you. Bellwether, I didn't know he couldn't be trusted. You and me both. (laughs) No, no. I indicated that you would be here. Gable looks up uh, and says, well, then we better work quick. And with that warning, we, we, we cut over to Jonnet Kessler. Jonnet. Yo. You have been given a task by Hip or perhaps a challenge by Hip. Mm-hmm. You have to oversee and organize an effort uh, to dig up this Pete as quickly and efficiently as possible through your knowledge and direction. I want to know, Tyler, how is Jonnet doing that? I want you to set up the role for it. I will say it is a little bit important that the Uhuru comes away with a lot of Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to get harder and harder as the rain is falling more and more. So I want to know like what role you are making to see this plan through. Um, I think Jonnet very much comes in hot uh, to the uh, the previous like digging site. Um, I think he's like going to like run in and uh, run in and he's like, actually, everybody, thanks for your work. This is not the right spot. We actually there's a deposit, a peat deposit over here. Uh, so everyone chop chop. He's going to like take. I assume, like, he's going to grab, like, a pickaxe from an orphan that's about to, like, swing down and, like, <laughs> pick up the, the pickaxe, which inadvertently, like, picks up mm-hmm. the orphan. Is like, is like, you, this way. He's just kind of going to be like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's going to be, like, shoveling everybody, like, back this way. Um, and then I feel like there might be murmurings of, like, well, what do we do? We've, we've, we've dug seven feet already what are you doing um yeah we already made it so far the only logical thing is continue to do what we're already doing we don't have time because there is so much peat i've sunk so much cost into what i've done though it's been a lot of effort but the opportunity that you could what you could be doing the amount of peat that we can get is so uh, a leap and a full bound over what is in this ground right now. And I think he's going to the folks, he's, he's going to do the same trick where like he kicks the ground and like another piece of peat like shoots up. Um, he's going to not exactly know where it is, but it's like, there is so much more back over here. We need to get this over like everyone chop, chop, let's go. Um, and so I think just overall, He's going to try to, like, do a thing where he just causes a small earthquake and loosens Mm. up the, loosens up the, I guess, the bedrock that the peat is, like, like, cradled in. Yeah. Um, So that it's, I guess it might necessarily make the digging easier. People are definitely going to be groaning about having to dig again, probably the same amount of distance. Sure. But I think the the payoff that I would like to have is that when we finally do hit the peat, it's just like, it's loose. It's like, you can grab it mm-hmm. and like very easily, like you're not going to have to break it apart because it's kind of like already broken up within the ground. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I want you to roll for this. I, I'm going to uh, put this as a, a two dice challenge again. This is a low stakes situation. So um, it, I guess maybe it feels like a presence roll and a magic roll. 
so yeah, uh, maybe maybe we will do two rolls. I want the magic roll to, yeah. to know what is happening with the Pete underground because that that that's cool. That's rad. Oh, that's oh okay. Well, I guess I accidentally rolled. <clears throat> that's good. Um, is that the magic roll? Uh, that that was the time? presence roll. Okay, um, just the the one. So for the presence roll, hey. Presence roll is going to be successful with an opportunity. Okay. Um, uh, so you let's get roll that presence. magic. I get a present. Get a present. Roll your magic. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, hell yes. That is overall going to be one success, two opportunities, and a Ooh. fate. Uh, <laughs> solid. I, I find it uh, funny and also <laughs> very silly that like, uh, we've been playing this game for so long and now I'm like found myself in a position where I have to roll and then look at a thing to understand what I really Yeah, did. yeah, we, we had this <laughs> other game that we already understood and had to shift <laughs> over to new bullshit symbols. It's okay, it's okay. That are way worse because they aren't the final symbols and oh, whatever. Anyway. Um, so this is definitely successful. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, uh, I think with the magnitude of this success, I think what you have done to disrupt uh, the peat is essentially sliced it into neat and even bricks. So when you dig past like the grass and dirt to like get to the peat layer, um, it'll just be a matter of like basically people like sticking a shovel in it and pulling out a fully yeah. neatly formed brick and like piling it up. 100%. Uh, the other thing is with the success and opportunity like organizing the crew, I think this goes extremely smoothly. Like the operation, even though there is the gripe of like getting people away from their established dig sites to go through a new dig site to again punch through another layer of grass, which isn't nothing, uh, this eventually becomes so much easier and hits the point where everybody's really recognizes and appreciates Jonnet's contribution here. I feel like uh, it'd be fun if they're like in in the there's like griping and moaning that happens eventually. But I feel like maybe there was some like plucky orphans that are maybe on the newer side of the crew that once we get going they're they're like, come on, y'all, let's let's sing a song. And like they they start to like amongst themselves start to like sing like like call of the sky or something like that and then like it slowly catches on and then you get like you get like people like shove it shoveling in beat and like it it it's it turns into like a a moment of like people are more distracted by like having a slightly good time and then yeah. when they hit the actual peat it's like yeah <laughs> I love this. Um, and, you know, thinking of the orphans that are the most recent addition to the ship, they must be from Dominion. So they are orphans with like a thick New Orleans yat accent <laughs> uh, to them. Uh, so it's also funny. <laughs> um, and mainly it's because like for, for New Orleans yat, I can only imagine someone who is like 50 and up right. having that mm-hmm. accent and gambit from the X. Yes. <laughs> That's... The only places that we I can can't never deny the call of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, these plucky orphans do it uh, and sing it, and it is this beautiful moment of camaraderie from the crew. And Hip is just straight up proud watching you is standing behind you, is following your orders, is moving to the places that you've gone, and, like, is seeing how you have grown up amongst this crew. How you have actually learned the skills that you do need to learn to be a captain. You rolled so well, there's there's no way that I can inject the conflict or bitterness here. So, he says as things are wrapping up, well, I guess Oromar Vale might have taught you something after all. Who are you? <sighs> Nobody important. Um, and Hip scoops things up. And like, yeah, the voice that you were talking to, you was attached to a person, but it 
where did they go? Yeah. You must have been talking to yourself. That shovel lifted itself. <laughs> oh. Huh. Huh. Ghosts on these islands. Just ghosts. Yeah, no. Very scary. And yeah, this is a very efficient operation. Y'all ha- are coming away with a good amount of peat. You have enough to make the journey to the mainland and even go far inland. Uh, so you are are set on that and will not risk that, which is good news as suddenly the heart bell rings. Tones of coming danger. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, at the time I am recording this, we have just nine days left in our Kickstarter for Skyjack's Courier's Call Season 3. And I am proud to report we have already passed our $15,000 stretch goal, which means the new season is going to have at least 30 episodes. And with a goal that great, I'm sure you're wondering, well, what more could we possibly unlock? And the answer is, well, a little bit more. At 17,000, Drew and I will sit down for another behind-the-sales discussion about Courier's Call ahead of the new season. And if we can hit 20,000, we can get a new song from Arnie Parrott. So there's lots to look forward to in the final days of this Kickstarter. Please follow the link in our show notes. Head to bit.ly slash cc season 3. Or just search Kickstarter for Skyjack's Courier's Call Season 3. As always, a huge thank you to our backers over on Patreon. Without our Patreon supporters, we would not be able to produce this show. If you like what you hear, please head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and sign up to become a supporter. Not only does it help us create every episode that makes it to air, but it also gets you access to cool bonus content. A huge thank you to everyone who signed up to support us already, and everyone who's going to sign up in the future. Now then, a quick word from our sponsor... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Now we'll cut over to Ormar mm-hmm. Vale, positioned on the top of this hill. Though we are not touched by the dangers of the outside world here. We see them. Through Cerise. We see it. Haunted by it. Away from it in a way that doesn't touch us. But for the screams. Ormar thinks for a bit. And... Uh... Angelic stuff is definitely outside of his wheelhouse, so I think he's been very slow on the uptake about, you know, I, I think uh, he just assumed uh, that Laniel just had uh, prodigious cold-reading insight in... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, to the point where he'd be able to recognize and know about the You know, to crown. have the extreme piousness, having, you know, philosophized and meditated sure. on this island, there is a resonance that he can pick up. Sure, uh, Oromar would uh, not be able to stand having to self-isolate to this degree, so who knows what you could achieve. Laniel, you are operating on a level that is uh, way beyond what I currently can, although now I... I wonder. Uh, glances off into the middle distance. He doesn't know where Gable is and is just kind of glancing to the horizon for dramatic effect, but he thinks he's looking at uh, a Gable. 
I think there's somebody on my crew who definitely has a more solid understanding of what's in play here than I do. Although, I suppose this means I have a shepherd of a kind looking after my own flock. As you finish saying that, when lightning is about to strike, there is a sense of the energy in the air. People describe, literally, the hairs on their neck standing up on end. Some even describe a a sense of impending doom. Oromar, you being so sensitive to your body right Mm. now, feel this suddenly. This is a feeling that you have had to deal with for so very long an awareness that you have honed, whether it is in your physical body or your spiritual form or whatever receptors are available to the dead flesh that once was your link to this world out on the sea as there is darkness and shadow in the sky, as there is gathering storms, as the clouds swirl and build above this island because of that darkness you can see lights above the water most that cast sight out to the sea and saw lights might fear ghost light the lanterns aboard the ship of the mariner which would be horrifying enough but to oromar vale the pallor of this light is far too familiar. It is the power of the lantern light held by the cutting stone. They are on the water. They are above it, walking over wave as though it were land. They surround this place. There is a this, the mounting sense of impending doom is something that Oromar has felt and has ta- taken as a warning sign against those who are in constant spiritual pursuit. But he has never felt this feeling as a human before. Oh yeah, and I think it is, especially after con- the conversation that they've just had. The feeling of self-recognization that you are meat and could be consumed. Uh, Mm. We assume that uh, farm animals do not have the sapience to recognize that they could be eaten, that there is an end state where they are food for a bigger thing than themselves. And humans never have to think Mm. about this. But... There is a glance out to the horizon and then a look back to Laniel. And now more, uh, Laniel, unlike Cerise, I, I don't believe has, uh, removed their hood and we do not know what Laniel fully looks like, but there has been at least the gracing of gesture and pose to maybe suggest Laniel's emotional state. And Oromar looks to see if Laniel is also responding. Can angels feel like prey? Yeah. And Laniel, I think. Laniel, you could tell, like, with his his back to the waves or whatnot. Actually, Laniel was probably facing in a direction that could have seen the mm-hmm. sea. Oromar was looking more towards the land, um, and Laniel was looking more towards the sea. Surely he must have been able to see this before. That That is what logically makes sense. However, when you become of the threat, when you turn your gaze towards the sea and see the cutting stone, that is when Laniel reacts as though something is wrong what is it what do you see i've never seen them chase me here like this 
before. I don't think you're familiar with the concept, Laniel. But death approaches. I am more familiar than you might know. From my profession, from my role, my station. I understand the shape of death, sure enough. Death that comes for you, or for others. That is the type of death that a shepherd faces, after all. Death that comes for others. Hmm. And yet we may find both of ourselves to be the flock. Oromal leaves to head towards the Uhuru. And once Oromar reaches the Uhuru, that is when the heart bell sounds. The tones indicating danger to all of the crew that is scattered about the island. As those tones like ring, during intense summer storms here in Chicago, there are moments where it feels like the water falls as a sheet that slaps the earth. It is just a sudden and intense drop of water that pounds everything, that pulls branches from trees, that uh, knocks over things that are left out standing outside, unfortunately, in the torrent of the storm. It is rain that falls thick and heavy and so intense. And it is that same rain that falls on this island now. The stone is coming. Coming here. Coming for you. What do you all do? Hmm. I... So... The interesting thing here is that, well, even though um, Oromar has dealt with the cutting stone in a metaphysical space, which is not a thing that you can tell someone else to handle, <laughs> you know, yeah. to, 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 to resolve this uh, approaching threat, first you must leave your own body. We can all do that. That's easy. Mm-hmm is not a mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and the idea of actually having to fight one in the physical space, and if that's even possible, is a thing that Oromar does not know. And as a result, he is terrified. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And is essentially preparing the ship for physical combat, even though he is fully aware that that will not help. Oh, I love that. I love that. I think because Oromar is the person who like sounded the alarm and 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 shout and like got the warning out there first, Oromar is on the ship first with, you know, whoever was able to make it back or whoever was already on board um making whatever preparations and that is the environment at least that Jonnet comes back to Gable might be another question. Um, I, I I don't know what Gable is doing. Um, you are setting up the spell. You're managing this spell. It will take a bit before the lightning reaches, but the Uhuru's bell sounds. What do you do? Hearing the Uhuru sort of breaks the reverie a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but that all the more reason to move quickly. So to expedite the process and also give me a real quick out... Um, Gable is going to very quickly grab one of the rods, take mm-hmm. the whatever the tattoo of the, the sword that they have, peel it off. So the sword's yeah. like more of a knife at this point. Oh, shit. I love that you can change its form. <laughs> gross. That's great. It's yucky. Your power. Cool. It's gross cool. and yucky. Meanwhile, they're, they're talking to Cerise and said, okay, when he gets her, you need to run. You need to hide. And... Uh, meanwhile, looking over the ocean, starting to see, like, do I see the cutting stone too? You are in a valley. Oh, so, so I don't you see actually can't see the ocean. Um, make make an intellect check. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, probably not, but roll it anyway. And you can always spend into it I, if it's important. That's, that's an absolute, all... that's a one. That's a one, and I'm not going to spend it to that. All right, all right. Let's see. Uh, so, yeah, that is just a, a failure. Um, so you are so caught up in the danger of what you imagine potentially the morning star himself showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you are not paying attention to the fact that the water is starting to fall so intensely. It is rolling down these valleys, uh, creating a flow of water across the island, which is notable to somebody who would notice because it is creating a river. Oh, awesome. Great. Cool. Uh, well, actually, no, that's not bad because Rusalka is, she's, she's a bud. <laughs> potentially. Potentially that is true. Rusalka does go through all rivers. It is a question of whether or not getting involved in this conflict awesome. Awesome. Uh, would matter to her. The other thing about rivers, the cutting stone also, also travels awesome. along and through rivers. Also awesome and cool. <laughs> so uh, all the more reason to get up in the air and wrap things up immediately. I don't think Gable's going to be able to stay for the whole ceremony. I think they're going to have to leave Cerise, which doesn't feel awesome because all they've been doing is leaving Cerise behind for a while now. Um, mm. So Gable quickly says, oh, you'll be fine. You all, all you need to do is just pretend, pretend you don't need to. You're, you're a zealot. You can, you can convince your sovereign that you are you are a zealot. He he would not come for me. He would not come for me. He he was only interested in you. Mm-hmm. If I if I had seen you, it's, I I need you to not blame yourself. I need you to focus. You need to focus entirely on yourself right now. What I'm going to do, I cannot stay. We must leave. We must get up in the air as soon as we can. But I will start the spell, and you must finish it. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. She nods. Uh, Gable takes their knife and scrapes off like a little bit of uh, knuckle skin, just like yeah. as if they if if you scraped your Nasty. your elbow, yeah. and sort of wipes that like like a little bit of skin onto one of the rods and does that on each of the rods in sort of a, a, a weird yucky uh, boundary creation Love and. It. With that, they turn to Cerise and say, I'm so sorry and thank you so much. If you need me at all, we are going. We are leaving very, very quickly, but please just reach out. I will come back as soon as I can if you need anything. Of course. Please, take this. Um, Cerise breaks a piece off of the lightning glass, a glow. This... She points to various globes. She's trying to indicate something to you, like like through her signing, um, and you don't quite pick up the meaning. Uh, she says something along the lines of has happened, could happen, will happen, and indicates that uh, to the globe that, that she gives to you. Stop it. You are the destroyer. Stop it. Hmm. Whatever you say, sweet cheeks. <laughs> and ah! <laughs> Gable takes the knife and just hits one of the rods and has it, it starts to reverberate and all the rest of them start to reverberate as well as they begin to be connected. And after that, Gable just books it. I like that a lot. Yeah. I feel like as you crest a hill, the first of We'll call it seven. Seven is appropriate as a divine number. Seven lightning strikes in that central area of the island to complete the spell that Gable was casting goes. And of course, it creates this really cool silhouette for Gable as they crest up Mm. over this hill. Um, (laughs) The wind like finally picking up out of the valley that whips across the grasses, the rain falling hard. Uh, their hair streaming around them uh, now with the gold and the black highlights amongst the silver. It is quite a figure that Gable cuts as 
they make their way back to the ship. And I, I'm going to have Gable and Jonnet arrive at the ship together in time to see Oromar hurrying about, hurrying these preparations. I think Jonnet has a like a burlap sack that's full of peat and like getting on on the deck of the ship. He like slams it down, points at points at a crew member. You furnace this now. Uh, and then I think he's going to like run up to Oromar kind of like realistically. Can we get in the air in time? Potentially. What I fear is that uh, what is approaching is beyond physical measures. And that first incursion may be too much for those who are unavailable to magic arts. I will be relying on both you and Gable to do what you can to repel what moves beyond the physical realm if we are attacked. This isn't the Mariner, is it? No. I think... You you see you see his eyes like he makes eye contact with you, and I think it's his eyes that give it away of how scared he is. They're glittering. Yeah. It's not the mariner who's attacking. It's death itself. I think Jonnet is Jonnet is immediately struck by the like the visible fear in the captain, and I think what. Like he is immediate. Like inside, he's like, "Okay, I need to steal myself because, like, what is coming for us is 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 spooky. What I just saw is scary. That is mm-hmm. that is like, I'm not. I wasn't ready for what I was about to see, and that the captain has glittery gl- glistening eyes because I ain't never seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I guess he turns to Gable and is like. How do we fight? How do we send this back? Helm, helm and helm and up. Helm and up. Up, 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 up. Uh, <laughs> I am going to call for a roll. Mm-hmm. I think Oromar is the one that has to do this. Mm-hmm. We got to know what Oromar learned about the Cutting Stone in his six months of evading them and surviving them. Mm. Um. I think this is going to be one high stakes die and one low stakes die of difficulty. And Nathan, you can tell me what uh, stat you are going to use for this and and make any preparations you want. Mm -hmm. There is real information at play here uh, Mm -hmm. that could be useful to you in this coming conflict. There is a thing that Nathan Blades knows about how the cutting stone works because it's come up before, in that it is it is immediately drawn to imminent death. We we did uh, mm-hmm. in Acheron kill a red feather and try to use its uh, the dying essence of the man to to drive uh, to steer the attention of the cutting stone, and that would be. Oromar's first port of call is to go and like, okay, is there a person here that could be sacrificed? But there is a conversation mm. that he has just had and talking. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh And it has immediately made him very reticent to sacrifice a person. That's mm. fascinating. I love that. Uh, I'm going to make an intellect thing here. I think this is a thing that Oromar is going to try and puzzle out. My intellect is 12, which is currently a reward of 3d8. Mm-hmm. I would love to spend, it is one point to upgrade. Yes. Let's spend two points to make two of those D12s, yeah? Or D10s. I love it. 12s, yes, because it works like the other game. Yes, hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> on the D12s, mm-hmm. we have a three and a seven. Okay. Hey, that's pretty good. On the D8, we have a four. All right, so you get overall one net success mm-hmm. and opportunity, which cancels out against the complication. So it is just a success. Okay. I am going to give you the option, Nathan. So like, yeah, you do know they are mm-hmm. drawn to death, almost like sharks are drawn to blood in the water. What 
other thing would you like to learn about the cutting stone? Hmm. The traversal of all metaphysical beings we have seen so far have rules into where they can and cannot go. Things travel via the sea, things travel via the air, things travel within the forest but not outside the forest. Where can the cutting stone not travel? I really am so glad that you said this because this is going to strike you with two revelations very quickly. Mm-hmm. The first is like, you know, the, the, now that this information is relevant, the thing that Oromar learned on his long trials, like fighting against and surviving against the cutting stone as a spiritual form around his body is the cutting stone cannot stray or travel too far from a river. Um, mm. They need to be near rivers. Rivers are the portal to death. They are death itself. Um, that is just something that the cutting stone depends on. Um, so, you know, when you were on the ship, when the ship was in the air previously, those were moments of mm. respite for the spiritual form of Oromar Vale, where he was able to like really indulge in trying to learn how to control his body and whatnot. So getting into the air is probably going to be the nug to, to save you. There are no rivers on this island. Um, and probably the the rain is what is contributing to the cutting stone allowing themselves to get here. Um, the weather being controlled has something to do with that. But the other thing that you realize is one of the cutting stone attacks that happened against you quite recently that you didn't think of because there were more important discussions happening at the moment and you were very focused on those happened in Ungoni. Ungoni, which is a floating city over a desert. Mm. There was no river nearby. Cutting stone can also travel to places where they are called. This happened with Tiberius uh, on the evening that Dreth was slain. Someone, someone in Ngoni called that cutting stone. Either in Ngoni or within the Tempest Armada, there was an enemy who was sent to target Oromar Vale, and not just Oromar Vale, Oromar Vale in his spiritual form. An enemy who knows you quite well. Hmm. It must be. So, you realize this now. There's an opportunity for the Uhuru to protect itself and in places that should have been safe. There is an enemy. You're going to want to fly low, out of reach of the island, but within the air. We... Somebody has specifically sent them to this location. I don't want to be arrogant, but... I have a feeling they are looking for a chat. Is it a crocodile man? <laughs> Is it a crocodile man? It's a crocodile man. I I think with this revelation, even the, that actually calms Oromar down a little bit. The fear the fear was these are beings being sent to attack the crew en masse. He may be able to protect himself, but there are so many people that he would not be able to protect and wouldn't have the skills or knowledge to be able to spiritually rebuff them all from being in danger. If this is a personal matter, if this is a hit, that's different. Um, Get in the air. Stay within sight of the tallest hill on this island. I'll be back with you. Where are you going? Where, what? Where are you going? Well, Gable, you, this is actually something important. You know, these beings cannot be here for uh, Oromar. They must be here for you. The thing that Gable feels certain about is stuff that is gathering around has to be connected with the fact that the Morning Star knows okay. that you are okay. here. That has to be true. Yeah. Um, so regardless of what Oromar thinks is going on, 
you feel like I have to be at the center of this. So yeah, uh, Oromar is like, get in the air. I'll be joining you shortly. I think I need to have a chat with Rusalka about this. Tell her I say hi. (laughs) To put some pieces together, travels on the river is somebody who we've had a conversation about the the nature of these ongoing yeah. stories and is angel yeah. affiliated so uh shenanigans maybe no, that's Karen. great that's great that's going to make this uh oncoming conflict even more exciting than mm-hmm. it already was going perfect to be. uh very excited about that <laughs> i love like uh by the way gable this is your fault no it's not <laughs> What are you talking no. about? No. 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 There's something else. The pages turn now, flying by. We see the ink itself forming its own pattern as rich, dark tones fade between the fillings of a pen, all of them surrounding words that are not words and diagrams that are no longer diagrams, rough shadows of ideas, horrid depictions of anatomy, and eyes, so many eyes. The pages go blank, and the flipping slows, until we see one final true entry, written in a shaky scrawl. There is no date given. Flesh rots. I don't know if it was hope or hubris that made me think I could graft eternity into myself. My brittle fingers now struggle even to hold this pen. But there is more light in sphere than the sovereigns. In my decay, I have found my true path. Everywhere I go, I hear the whispers. They speak the word in hushed tones. Huddles in their houses on their skyships. They tell the stories of my work, the path I have and will walk. Sorrow's End, the Red Knights of Kine's Alley, Potter's Song, Shankill, Severum. Do I serve the Lumen? Have I become the Lumen? When did I truly first become bound to the Butcher? For all the light and unsteady shaking of the hand that held that pen, those words are written deep and bold on the page. I wonder what you think. I see you now, dear reader. Will it matter to you if I am the power or the servant when my knife parts your flesh? I have trouble holding you in my sight, finding your path. There are answers in the meat that hangs from your bones in the song of your blood. I must know. Will you come apart like the others did? The book hangs on that page. The air is still and it feels as though the shadows hang heavier in the room. Before the cover to the book slams shut, 
With tremendous force, it leaves the ground and soars up towards the shelf, unsteadily rattling itself back into its place upon Oromar's shelves. The shadows lighten, but the presence in the room carries a coldness with it. He can feel that he has been seen, and he knows that the danger is not his alone. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. The history of role-playing games is weird and wild, and we here at System Mastery are determined to look through it all. Every heartbreaker that drove a man to bankruptcy to see his vision of D&D with Philly-specific armor maintenance rules come to fruition. Every game where you get increasingly certain as you read it that this is all just one person's weird fetish. Every system that painstakingly recreates how medieval life was really like. And then also you can cast Fireball. The System Mastery Podcast wallows in the filth of RPG history. Come, join us in the muck at System Mastery. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Tyler is on strike alongside his fellow members of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA. You can support Tyler and other striking artists by contributing to the Entertainment Community Fund, linked in our show notes. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT, or streaming at twitch.tv slash The Neoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my podcast, one shot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrott or on his website, ATP Tunes. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the skies